Estás escuchando un mensaje de parte de Vida City Church Houston. Para más información de nuestra iglesia, visita nuestra página de web en vidacch.org. Y ahora con ustedes, el mensaje. You are listening to a message from Vida City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at vidacch.org. And now with you, today's message. God bless you, Vida City Church. So good to be here in the house of the Lord. You may take your seats. I'm so honored to be here, and I need to give honor where honor is due. Pastor JR, Pastor Patsy have been such a blessing in my life. Uh, we go way back. I don't want to date ourselves, so I'm not going to mention specifics, but I was a youth growing up when he was a DYD and uh, for our, our district, and being able to see him and from afar, even at that young age, and just the way that he He spoke the way that he preached, his style. He's always had that fashionable style. And then getting married, being able to look to them as an example of a, a godly marriage, their love for each other, their love for God, their passion for the church and ministry has been just so inspiring. And I can tell you when people often ask me, hey, uh, who are the people that helped form you as a minister, as the leader? There's three people that I mentioned, and on those, in those three is Pastor JR. And he's been a leader. Uh, up close and from afar in different seasons of our lives. And we're just so thrilled that we get to be here. And uh, for those of you who do not know me, I come from McAllen, Texas. That's deep south Texas, border with Reynosa. We have the best Mexican food on the planet. Um, it's a great place to be. God is doing great things. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 19 years. I think I have a picture there of my wife and my family. I don't know if, if we have that. But my wife and I have been married for 19 years. Her name is Carla. Uh, she is a descendant of the daughters of Job. The Bible says they were the most beautiful women in the world. And I, I got to say, my wife is beautiful so much so that I believe I am the hope and the inspiration of all the ugly male singles. People look at me and they're like, man, if you can, if you can marry somebody like that, then there's hope for me. And, uh, and then God gave us two boys. We have a 12 and an 8-year-old. Their names are Dante and uh, Luca. And then people would ask us, hey, what about the girl? Well, 10 years ago, we planted a church, and that's the girl, <laughs> and that's enough. And uh, we, we pastor a church in McAllen named Vital Church. If you're ever down there, please visit us. We'd love to have you and uh, return the favor. Be a blessing to you just as you are being a blessing to us this morning. Well, enough about myself. Let's get into the Word of God. I want to invite you to Luke chapter 22. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 22. And we're going to read verses 54 to 62. And when you have that, you can just shout amen. Again, your version might differ a little bit from mine. Mine's the New Living Translation, but I think the essence is going to be all the same. Luke 22, starting in verse 54. And it reads like this. So they arrested Jesus, and they led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. Who followed? Peter, the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. 
And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. I want you to say that phrase with me, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. I am thankful for the rooster in the story. Because he was a catalyst for a pivotal moment in Peter's life. We could be reading a completely different story about Peter if it wasn't for the rooster in the courtyard that day. And so I have titled this message, Thank God for the Rooster. Can somebody say that with me? Thank God for the rooster. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Our hearts are open. Our minds are clear. Our ears are attentive. We want to receive the word from you. Speak to our hearts, Lord. We thank you for our pastors. We thank you for this church, for their vision. And we pray that today's word would just be a seed in our hearts that makes us even more grateful for their lives. And that we would continue to run with them and run with the vision and fight for them and with them. And that we continue to spread the gospel and that the vision of Vida City Church would continue to make waves and permeate, Father, in the city of Houston and the surrounding areas. And we pray, God, that you would begin to uh, just a, an accelerated process towards the goals, the milestones that they have set. I believe, Father, that the best chapters of this church are not yet written. They're about to be written. And we declare blessing upon this congregation. And we thank you again for your word. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone says... Amen and amen. I identify in so many ways with the rooster. And I know for sure your pastors are roosters. In fact, today's message is like a limited edition, once in a lifetime, inside look into the hearts of your pastors. I believe that after today you will understand their calling a little better, why they are the way they are, why they do the things that they do. But I have to point you to that unique combination described in verses 60 and 61. It was the, the rooster that crowed, but it was the eyes of Jesus that were on Peter. Can I say that again? The rooster crowed, but it was also the eyes of Jesus that were on Peter. You know that we, us pastors and preachers, we have nothing much to offer you other than what is equivalent to a rooster's crow. But when the eyes of the Lord are upon you, and when the eyes of the Lord are upon a congregation, God can use that rooster's crow. And the power is not so much in the, in the messenger, but in the message. And the eyes of Jesus, I believe, are upon this church and have been upon this ministry. If the eyes of the Lord are upon you as we speak the word of God, then the power of his spirit compensates for the weakness of the preacher sometimes and the hearts might be transformed and that God may, may be glorified. In your walk with Christ, it helps you to have a good rooster in your life. I want you to think about what may have been on Peter's heart. This chapter in Peter's story is not just about his denial. I want you to notice that it was also about a broken promise. Hours before, Peter had sworn never to commit the sin that he just committed. He said, Lord, and Peter was always the one comparing himself to everybody else. Lord, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Even if the other 11 do so, I will never do it. 
even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And here we are, hours later, and Peter has broken his promise. Not once, not twice, but three times in one night. And when we fail God, there's a war that is unleashed in our hearts and in our minds. For one, the Holy Spirit immediately comes to bring conviction, but at the same time, Satan tries to bring condemnation. Let me explain the difference. Conviction is like a pain signal that is drawing you away from the danger, but condemnation is like an anesthetic that makes you or leaves you feeling numb. Condemnation is, is defined by shame and guilt, but conviction is defined by love and correction. Condemnation makes you run from God, but conviction makes you run to God. Conviction versus condemnation is the difference between a Peter and a Judas. You know, Peter wasn't the only one that denied Jesus that night. Judas betrayed the Lord as well. But Peter was overcome with conviction while Judas was overcome with condemnation. Judas went out and hanged himself while Peter repented and was restored. And here's why you need to thank God for these roosters in your life. Because the difference between a Peter and a Judas very simply was that Peter had a rooster in his story and Judas did not. And so I want to point out a couple of things that characterize the rooster. What the rooster did that night at the courtyard as an analogy for your pastor's ministry. So that you can walk out of here with a new appreciation and walk out saying, thank God for our roosters. Amen. Here's number one. For those of you who take notes, I'm one of those kind of take note preachers. I, I like for people to take notes. I encourage it in my church. I don't know if y'all heard Cambridge University out of London did a study. They have scientifically proven people who take notes have a higher probability of making it to heaven. So you want to uh, jot down a couple of things, all right? Here's number one. Here's number one. What you need to know about the rooster is that the rooster got in the way. The rooster got in the way. How many of you know that we need people in our lives when things are not going the way they should? When we're not following Jesus as we should, we need people loving God fearing people that will get in our way and sometimes protect us from ourselves verse 54 tells us that Peter was following Jesus but there's a caveat to that he was following at a distance he was following at a distance in other words he went from being a disciple of Jesus and being next to Jesus and being up close to Jesus, something started happening that night. He became discouraged. He became lax in his spiritual walk. And little by little, he started drawing a distance between him and Jesus, so much so that by the time the gospel is written, it is described as he was following at a distance. And I believe that this describes believers who sometimes get discouraged in their walk with God. Don't we go through seasons where we feel we're still following Jesus, we're still in church, we still know enough about what's going on, but we've also taken a back seat. We've also kind of, we're also kind of sitting on the sidelines. The, the passion, the zeal is not there as it once was. And this is Peter, the picture of a discouraged Christian. They say there's at least three things that can cause discouragement. Emotional stress and exhaustion, those are obvious ones. But third... This is pretty surprising. Great success can also be discouraging when you realize how difficult it is to keep the momentum going. 
And in this point in his life, I think Peter was suffering from all three. Emotional stress, because Jesus had just been arrested. Exhaustion from the demands of ministry. And great success, because he had just slashed the ear off of one of the high priests that came to arrest Jesus. I mean, we know who won that battle. But here, Peter went from, again, walking at a distance. And then comes the next step to flat out denying Jesus three times. After the first two denials, we would hope that Peter's own conscience would convict him. But after the third denial that came along with some curse words, it was evident, man, Peter's completely lost his way. The funny thing is that there was no one in the crowd to admonish and save him from himself. But thank God for the rooster. Because it got in the way of his sin. And can I tell you that this was no coincidence. This was a prepared rooster. I dare say it was a setup. Hours before Peter's denial, Jesus had already mentioned the rooster. I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And I believe that's true of your pastors. You planned your life. You set out to do what you were going to do. But God conspired. The God had conspired with each other and said for Vida City Church, for North Houston, in the life of those believers, we have prepared our roosters to make sure that they're in the courtyard, that they're in the vicinity, that they're in the lives of the people that need them in their lives. I believe that this is a setup. You need to look at your pastors at somebody that God has prepared for such a time as this. And one of the reasons why you need them in your life is because you need to be confronted when you're in sin. You need to be encouraged when you are discouraged. You need somebody to put that zeal back in you and to bring the word of the Lord into your heart when the fire has died down. When the rooster crowed, it did not sound like good news at all. But what happened on that dark evening speaks volumes about God's magnificent grace and love. Because God loves us way too much to leave us alone to die in the courtyard of our sin. So he puts roosters in our lives. And two of the best that I know are your pastors. They're there to add value to your life to remind you of God's plan and purpose for your life, to mentor and model a godly life for you. And yes, they are there to speak truth. When others are afraid to speak the truth, you need somebody who won't be afraid to speak the truth in love when you're caught in the devil's grip. I can tell you as a pastor myself, restoring people is never pretty because the truth hurts sometimes. But it's our jobs as pastors to be a sincere friend to you. It's our job to comfort the afflicted and it's sometimes our job to afflict the comfortable. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And I know your pastors. This church has roosters who are faithful to their assignment and we should be thankful that they continue to preach the hard truths of Scripture. One of the things I love about your pastor is that he's always been bold and he's never been afraid to call out sin and call it for what it is. 
he still preaches repentance. We need roosters who get in our way every Sunday of any laid back, lukewarm Christianity who continue to remind you that Jesus is coming back for a church that is holy and clean and washed by the cleansing of God's word. I'll never forget, 10 years ago, my wife and I set out to plant this church that we're leading. I was my dad's youth pastor for 13 years. I share my dad's name and um, you know how church gossip can be. Maybe not here, but in the valley, church gossip can be a thing. And uh, my, we had our dad's blessing. My dad was there the first Sunday and gave us the blessing. And uh, so did the church. We had their full support. In fact, for a whole year, they supported us uh, as we launched. And, uh, but I remember that the church gossip had turned into this thing where I was dividing my dad's church. People thought I was dividing my dad's church. And I guess the rumor made it to Houston, Texas. And I'll never forget Pastor J.R. called me. But I love the way that he does things with grace. But he confronted me. And he said, hey, Charlie, I, I, I had to call you because I'm hearing this. And it's very uncharacteristic of the Charlie that I know. So I just want to make sure that this is not going on. And, and we had a conversation, but he did it with love and he did it with grace. And he confronted me. And thank God it wasn't what, what uh, you know, the rumor was saying. But still, I, I appreciate that he had the boldness and he had the confidence to say, hey, this might rub Charlie the wrong way. But he needs to hear this from somebody who loves him. And I can tell you in my life, they've been that for me. I thank God for your roosters. Amen. Here's number two. Here's number two. The other thing about the rooster is that it was loud in the dark. It was loud in the dark. We are living in an age that embodies Isaiah 5 verse 20 that says, What sorrow awaits those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and that light is dark. We are indeed living in dark times and this kind of darkness produces great sorrow in our nation because the anger of the Lord burns against this moral decadence Paul wrote about the dangers of a culture that abandoned abandons God's truth for a lie Romans 5 28 they thought it foolish to acknowledge God so he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done and then it says their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. And they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. Notice that they refuse. It's not that they can't understand. It's that they choose not to. And then verse 32 says, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them as well. In other words, we live in a day and age where truth becomes a matter of preference. And tolerance is promoted as the supreme value. However, the more, the more tolerant a culture becomes, the more intolerant it becomes of anyone who perceives it as intolerant. This kind of culture is not satisfied with living in immorality themselves. They want you to celebrate it. They want you to imitate it. And if, and, and if you are deemed, if you don't celebrate it, you are deemed intolerant and you're offensive and you must be silenced and you must be canceled. But I have news for cancel culture. You cannot cancel the truth of God. That's already been tried over 2,000 years ago. 
They put truth, the truth of God in a tomb and they sealed it shut with a stone. And guess what? On the third day, the stone was rolled away and truth won that day. So if Jesus opened the tomb, we must open our mouths. And that's what I love about your pastors. They have been tested and tried and proven true. Adverse situations, you know this better than me, have come to try to shut them up. Disgruntled congregants will try to come and shut them up. The enemy has hit with malicious intent where it hurts the most. But no matter the threat or the darkness, they've not been canceled. And they never will until their purpose is fulfilled. I know what I, what, what I see before me. I see a godly couple that loves the Lord and will not be silenced. Even as the days grow darker, their light shines brighter. And sometimes you have to be loud in the dark. I always tell my church, I say it on Sundays often, hey, if you don't like the truth, you came to the wrong church. Because we preach, we stand on the word of God. I have vowed, and I learned this from people like your pastors, to preach the truth, albeit in love. But see, the church needs to hear it plainly. Roosters that still call adultery sin, fornication is sin, homosexuality is sin, transgenderism is sin, racism is sin, pride is sin, greed is sin, gossip is sin. We don't need to be okay with any of these, much less celebrate or imitate. Is there anybody in this building that is thankful that you have pastors, roosters who are not afraid to be loud in the darkness? The Bible calls us the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. That's what I love about your pastors. Don't be afraid to be loud in the dark. Number three, the rooster didn't bark, howl, or hiss. It crowed. Somebody say it crowed. One of the virtues that comes with maturity in ministry is becoming comfortable in your own skin. You stop living for the approval of people and start living from the approval of God. And what that does is that it takes the pressure off of who do people think that I am? Because you know who you are. You're a child of God. And your purpose becomes, you know what? It's not what people think of me. It's what, what I can do for them. Can I tell you something, Vida City Church? You are blessed to have experienced, tried and true pastors I call him a general. He doesn't like that because he says it makes him sound old. But he definitely is a general in the army of the Lord. And, what I, and the parallel that I see in the rooster and them is that the rooster was okay with his identity. He didn't try to be something he was not. He didn't try to do what it couldn't. It crowed. It didn't bark. It didn't hiss. It didn't howl. We can all learn from this. Each of you is fearfully and wonderfully made. Each of you is uniquely gifted. Stop trying to be a copy of somebody else when God made you an original. Be comfortable with who God made you to be. Stop trying to be somebody else. And that's what I love about your pastors. You know, Pastor JR, his unique style, man. I've always admired the way he dresses. And uh, his, he, he's been so fashionable every time I see him. And, and, and it's like, man, you know, he's... He's got it going on. And, and I love that, the way he preaches. His bilingual mastery, right? Something that I've learned from. And I see all these things, and I'm like, Pastor JR is definitely 
comfortable in his own skin. I see the people he, he rubs shoulders with. And you know what? He can, he can be low maintenance with the, la chusma, you know, from the valley. <laughs> and he can level with anybody, but he can also be there with the greats and the, and the famous and the, and the prestigious. And, and he knows who he is. He knows exactly who he is. You know, in my own life, I had to learn this lesson the hard way. Because back when I was just a chickling in ministry, coming up, growing, uh, I remember my first time preaching. I'll never forget that time. you got to understand, uh, Pastor JR was, was the DYD, and he invited Pastor Sammy Rodriguez, Rodriguez to speak one time. I was 15 years old. And uh, at that youth convention, God called me to ministry. And I remember I was so impacted by Pastor Sam's ministry that I went to his table afterward, and I bought all his CDs and DVDs, and I went home. And I was like, man, I'd never heard a preacher like this. I said, I want to be like Pastor Sam. And I took his DVDs, I turned them on, and I started practicing. I learned his messages word for word. I'm not kidding you, okay? I would get a comb. You know, he had the microphone. I'd get a comb, and, and I'd practice. And then Pastor Sam, if you know him, uh, he, he, he used to travel with a pianist. And the pianist would play like gospel music. Dun, 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 dun. And he'd start dancing, you know, gospel. And, and he was just so full of passion. You know, my moves were a little bit more cumbia, you know, because I'm from the valley. But... <laughs> But I was trying, I was trying. And I'll, I'll, I'll confess this to you, Vida City Church. I don't know who else knows this, but this is a secret between, between you, and I, you and I. My very first message, I was 16 years old the first time that I got invited to speak. I plagiarized, completely plagiarized one of Pastor Sammy's message. And I remember that I, word for word, and when he said amen, I said amen. When he said hallelujah, I said hallelujah. When he grabbed his long hair, I grabbed my short hair. And uh I did it all the same. And I said, that's, that's, that's all I knew. Now, I remember that there was about 24 kids at that youth group. And uh, I made the altar call. Now, in the videos, Pastor Sam would make the altar call. And, like, hundreds of kids would come running to the altar. I made the altar call. And 24 kids, none of them even moved an inch. Just crickets. <laughs> Thank God, though, that I'm a PK. Thank God I'm a pastor's kid. Because you know a lot of tricks. You learn a lot of ways. Um, and uh, I was like, okay, okay, no, 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 this can't, I, I got to get them to the altar. So the first thing, the first thing I recurred to was like, okay, let me get into prophetic mode. So I changed my face, and I got real serious, and I was, hmm, hmm, whoo, yes, Lord, speak up. Yes, I'll tell them, I'll tell them, Lord. So I look at the 24, and I'm like, the Lord is telling me that there are some of you here that right before service, right before you came here, you got into an argument with your parents. These are young people. When aren't they not arguing with their parents, right? Like six kids, oh, that's me. Oh, and they ran to the altar. And then I get back into prophetic mode. I'm, hmm, yes, Lord, yes. Hmm, you're a girl. And this very week, you broke up with your boyfriend. At that age, when are they not breaking up, right? So like six girls, ah, that's me. About three or four altar calls later, all 24 were at the altar crying. But I had to be honest with myself. When I was driving home, I was talking to God. And I said, God, that was embarrassing what you did to me. I said, like, nobody responded. If it had not been for the tricks, nobody would have come up to the altar. And I remember, I remember that I said, God, that night I said, when I accepted this call to ministry, I accepted it believing that you were going to be with me. But you, you lied to me. And I, got, I called God a liar. And I remember God, through the Spirit, convicted me, spoke to my heart. And he said, no, no, no. If there's anybody lying here, it's you. 
Because when I called you, I thought I was calling Charlie Martinez, not a pathetic imitation of Sammy Rodriguez. And that day I learned, I am who I am. There's no better me than me in this entire planet. And God made me uniquely special. And as great as Pastor Sam is, and I still admire him, and he's still a great friend, I'm never going to be him. I'm never going to be Pastor JR. Pastor JR is never going to be the people that he looked up to. But you grow and you mature and you become comfortable in your own skin and you realize, I have a message, I have an anointing, I have a gifting, and I'm going to use it for the glory of God, and I'm going to use it for the building of God's people. I'm here to tell you that God cannot use who you pretend to be. He only operates from truth. So don't box yourself in. And can I tell you, please don't box your pastors in to a mold that doesn't fit. People come from other churches sometimes and, you know, we can't help that. Sometimes, you know, there's, I know back in the valley, there's been a couple churches that uh, the pastor had a moral failure or there was a division at the church and families show up and, and then they'll come to our church and they'll say, well, my pastor wasn't like that. And my pastor wore a suit and tie, not sneakers. And I'm like, but you're not with your pastor anymore, right? Like, you're not at that church anymore. And, and I'm different. I had a lady one time come and say, well, you don't look like a pastor. I said, well, you don't look like a sheep. <laughs> right? <laughs> but listen, don't try to box them in God has made them unique, and that's what makes them beautiful, and that would, that's what makes them special. Embrace who they are. Embrace their family. Love on them because they are unique. Here's number four. The rooster also reminded Peter of Jesus' words. Isn't that the role of the pastor? It's always to point to Jesus. It's always to point you back to Jesus. Remember, Peter wasn't the only disciple who betrayed Jesus that night. And what's interesting is that Jesus knew and even prophesied the betrayal of both Peter and Judas while they were eating at the Last Supper. What's even more interesting is what Jesus said to each of them after that. Listen to what Jesus said to Judas. John 13, 27. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. And then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. Now let's look at what he told Peter. Luke twenty two thirty one. 31. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I want you to notice that our Lord's words to Simon Peter were significantly different from what he said to Judas. Jesus expressed certainty that Peter would fall and fall abysmally, but that he would be restored. In other words... Jesus anticipated that Peter would repent and be forgiven and then endure to the end. And to make sure that this happened, Jesus prepared the rooster. I want you to imagine that scene with me. Peter is sitting at the fire in the courtyard amongst the mob. This is the same mob that came and arrested Jesus and took him away. So can you imagine Peter, okay, Sitting at the fire with the enemy. I imagine him talking to some guy. Hey, dude, what's going on, bro? Hey, man, sorry about the ear a little while ago. But, hey, let's roast these marshmallows together here at the bonfire, you know. It's ludicrous to think that Peter has fallen so far behind in his walk that he's now sitting at the fire 
with the enemy. And then we know the story, you know, uh, this young lady comes and confronts him and he denies. And a second time and a third time, he denies Jesus. And then it happened. The rooster crowed. And I want you to imagine this. The Bible says that when the rooster crowed, Jesus turned over and looked at Peter. And I imagine Peter turned over and looked at Jesus. And the rooster is looking at both of them. <laughs> like, what's going on, right? But, but watch this. The rooster means nothing in the story of the eyes of Jesus are not upon Peter. Because even Jesus' silence, I want you to know, was out of love for Peter. There was love in the look. Jesus turned over and looked at Peter. You know how I know there was love? Because it was just a look. Jesus could have said, he could have spoken up and said, hey, Peter, no te hagas, bro. Come on. Hey, you know you're with me. Man, I told, didn't I tell you we're going to do this? Didn't I tell you? Jesus could have said that, but he just looked at him. You know why he looked at him? Because he didn't want to implicate him. So he just looked at him, but with the look, he said, hey, even though I'm not going to speak up so as not to blow your cover with my eyes and with my silence, I'm telling you that I love you. In fact, I'm going to hold my silence all the way to the cross because I'm going to pay for the sin that you just committed. There was love in that look. But it was the rooster that crowed that made Peter turn his eyes back to Jesus. Away from the fire and back to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that that's why your pastors are in your life. They, always, they will always be used to point you back to Jesus. I don't know who I'm speaking to right now, but I know you're in the building. Don't ever misinterpret God's silence for neglect. Even when he's silent, he loves you. Even when he's silent, he'll put a rooster in your path to point you back to Jesus, to remind you of God's word and his promises. In fact, that's how you know they're God's sins, when they point to Jesus and not to themselves. The rooster reminded Peter of Jesus' words. Thank God for the rooster. And here's number five, and I'll be out of your way. The fifth parallel between that rooster and your pastors is that roosters always announce a new day. Somebody shout, a new day. I don't know, I mean, you guys live here in the city, but back in the valley, it's not uncommon for us to live near a rooster. Um, I, you know, our home is in a, I consider it a nice neighborhood. I love, the, I love where I live, but we have some neighbors, and we've been trying to win them over for the Lord, and uh, we've witnessed to them, and that's not really working, so we're trying now uh, to do it with actions, you know, and um, and I, I am not an outdoors person. I'm, I don't like the outdoors. Like, you know, I don't understand people who camp for vacation. It's like, no, give me AC and give me Wi-Fi and give me a nice, comfortable bed. But anyway, my neighbors, they have a chicken coop in the back. And so um, just because we're trying to win them over for the Lord, there we are. Sometimes when they're out of town, they'll text us and they'll be like, hey, neighbor, can, can you watch the chickens? Can you feed them for us? Can you collect the eggs? That they're laying every day and I'm like, and I'm there doing it. And I'm like, Lord, you know that I love you if I'm cleaning up, cleaning up after these chickens, right? And you know that I love my neighbors and that's the only reason why I'm doing it. But I'm not an outdoors person by any stretch. But um, they have those chickens. And if you live close to a rooster, you know that it can be annoying, all right? Because they have... The, the, it, 
it's, it's funny that they, they cry, right? It's, it's a crow is a cry. It's not a song, per se. It's not pretty. It's not nice. And then they crow at the worst hour of the day. Like you are in the third heaven of your sleep, right? And you are, it's like 5 in the morning, 5.15, the break of dawn. And there they are, chest puffed out, head held high as if they were some phenomenal opera singer and they crow and, it, and it's annoying. You wish that it, would, it was like the alarm that you could just hit them and silence them. But they don't do that. And I found something very interesting. Roosters can crow anytime, but they have a universal reputation for announcing a new morning. If I were to ask you at what time of day they crow, you'd say just before the break of dawn. And the fact is that that is part of God's design in roosters. It turns out that when scientists are bored, they study crazy things. In 2013, researchers at Nagoya University in Japan decided that they wanted to study why roosters crow when they do. And what they did is they placed roosters in pitch black rooms for days on end so that the rooster would lose a sense of time and would not be able to tell whether the sun rises or the sun sets. And still the rooster would crow right before the break of dawn. Through this and other factors, they concluded that the rooster breaks the dawn every morning. Watch this. Not because it sees the light, but because it has an internal biological clock that somehow knows. In other words, the rooster crows not because it sees the light, but because it anticipates the light. And when the rooster crowed that night at the courtyard near Peter... And Peter was reminded of Jesus' words. Peter was convicted and not condemned because Jesus had said, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And the key phrase in those words is, this very night. Jesus had said, Peter, this very night you will deny me. But when the rooster crowed, though it didn't say much, it said a lot. It convicted Peter. Yes, Peter, you denied Jesus. Yes, Peter, you broke your promise. Yes, Peter, you failed him multiple times in one night. But it also had a special, mes a special message. Peter, but ca catch this revelation. The rooster was trying to say, if I'm crowing, Peter, if I'm crowing right now in this moment, right here, right now, it means that the night is over. Jesus said, this night you will deny me, but if I'm crowing, I'm announcing a new day there's a new day coming yes you messed up yes you failed but that was yesterday that was last night and if you only knew what's going to happen in this new day Peter in this new day sin does not win the cross wins Jesus wins love wins in this new season of your life you will see the risen Christ you will see yourself restored you're going to be the new the, the keynote speaker at Pentecost can you imagine that Imagine the Godhead once, once the Spirit was getting ready to get poured out. We need, a, we need a keynote speaker for Pentecost. And the Godhead's having this conversation. And I imagine one of them, probably Jesus, raised his hand and said, Can I suggest Peter? Because if anybody is going to be able to preach about grace, it's going to be Peter. And you know how many souls got saved for the Lord? The first time Peter preached his sermon, 3,000 people. 
I love God's mathematics. For every time you denied me, I'm going to give you a thousand souls, a thousand jewels on your crown because that's the way that God's grace works. For every failure, he'll give you a thousand victories. For every tear, he'll give you a thousand laughs. For every setback, he will give you a thousand triumphs. That is the love. That is the grace of God. And I tell you this by faith and not by sight. I believe that God brought me here this morning to bring you some good news, just as your pastors do each and every Sunday. You've been trying to please Jesus like Peter, doing things in your own strength, and you have failed. You may be in a dark season in your life. You may not be able to see the light. But Jesus told me to tell you that he put roosters in your life to remind you that he loves you. You don't see the light, but they anticipate the light. And that's why they preach out here with a prophetic gifting and anointing to remind you that Jesus went to the cross for you. That he already paid for your victory. He rose from the dead for you. He has an anointing for you. They preach by faith and not by sight. It's not because of things they've seen with their eyes. It's because of something they feel in their spirit. You may have just gone through a nightmare season, but... But a new morning is coming. Can I tell you, repentance is still the key. Your best days are ahead of you. If you come to Jesus and you say, Lord, thank you for the rooster. Thank you for this new day. You'll be able to walk in that purpose and in that victory. Do you believe that?